0: Welcome to Verbal Tap, the podcast that proves fighting is much easier from outside of the cage. I'm your host today, Raph Esparza, and for the love of God, why are there birds chirping on this fucking introduction?
1: Raf, Raf, I'm, okay, I'm gonna give you clues to where I am. My blood pressure is lower, mm-hmm. my cholesterol is higher, and I'm struggling with multi-syllable words.
0: If I answered Kansas, would I be correct?
1: you are correct birds chirping you hear. i'm outside on my parents huge patio mm-hmm. and the birds are just kind of chirping that's all that's going on in this neighborhood there's no fire trucks screaming by at a million miles an hour every seven seconds it's phenomenal
0: it sounds like hell <sighs> <laughs> i would not want to be wherever the hell you are the worst part is is like not only did you think that going there would be a great idea but then to bring it on our podcast as if people you know fair. we don't get fucking emails that say raf kev love the show need more nature
1: oh no, no we don't specifically get those emails which is a fair point but you know sometimes you have to force art to really add and you know i think it's just the zen that this podcast has been missing
0: my god you are getting dumber
1: i I am getting dumber i get on a flight sunday
0: you get on a flight sunday so you'll be back to civilization then correct
1: one of them moving tubes with the windows and the uh people with the the oxygen thingies
0: now you're doing something worse than actually being stupid you're pretending to being stupid so ailing it yeah no not really it's just (laughs) uh it's a choice so kev what have you been up to out there in kansas
1: uh went to my uncle Ref's memorial service. Guy was at Pearl Harbor, which tells you he was old. He was an old dude, rocking until the end. In uh, 2004, he came out to my graduation party and did shots off an ice luge. So, really dynamic <laughs> guy. Um, yeah, he was at. He was with my. They don't say buddies. that
0: enough about the Greatest Generation.
1: No, no, <laughs> the Greatest Generation, and they can really drink.
0: They'll they can drink really you under drink the table, safe. you pussies. <laughs>
1: Uh, then I went to Boy State. Now I'm just back in Kansas City practicing now, Kev, do MMA favor. and jujitsu on my nephew.
0: That's cool. That's that's unnecessary. Please don't do that, because uh, I fear for you more so than your nephew, Kev. Um, explain to people what Boy State is, because I've tried to tell them what you're doing, and every time they're like, <laughs> "It sounds illegal."
1: Okay, so Boy State is a mock camp essentially they bring 500 junior males together juniors in high school and they create the government of kansas and run it for six days <laughs> like, <laughs> there's a lot of there's a lot of like leadership speeches and talks there's a talent show that like wreck time but it's basically wait i'm they, so
0: sorry when i texted kevin i was like hey uh you know what's going on how are things going kevin's like i'm in the middle of a talent show audition
1: Oh, oh, God, yes, I was doing the talent show auditions. That was my job. I was watching the talent show auditions.
0: (laughs) Which, by the way, is a terrible (laughs) thing to have ever put you in charge of anything remotely considered talent.
1: I was mostly just berating them like Simon Cowell. I would just hold up numbers. It was like, you see this? This is a three. That's what you would be at next year if you practiced. Get the fuck out of this room. You can't curse
0: at high school kids, though.
1: Oh, it's summer. Yeah, you can. It's also Kansas. Things are like 20 years before now. Like, think about what you would have thought 20 years ago about that
0: statement. Oh, my God. (laughs) Kevin went back to the past. (laughs) Weird hours. I did. Enacting days of future past. Kevin has gone back to warn
1: his past self
0: of how dumb he will become. (laughs)
1: Uh, But you are stepping up huge for the podcast. Yeah, yeah. No, I am. you're usually, um, I mean, like a, it's usually 1.5 man show. Mm-hmm. This week, it's more like a one and one thirds. Mm-hmm. You're doing, wait, that would be more. Let's you're, go the opposite way.
0: You're trying as hard as you can here. My, math clearly isn't your strong suit.
1: Uh, Why would I get then? Why would I make that my metaphor choice there? I don't you're know. carrying you've got some amateur cut rate.
0: Oh no, what's that, Kevin? I'm starting to lose you now? What's that? I should replace you? Okay, that's not a problem. I'm going to go ahead and do that (laughs) now that I have your blessing. Um, You know, it it burns me up on the inside to really lose you, Kev, because you provide so, so little to this podcast.
1: Yeah, I had a feeling that was going to go.
0: And the one thing that Kevin did ask me, though, off air, was he was like, Raph, whatever you do, do not replace me with John Evans. So Kevin...
1: I don't want to get replaced with the one person that really could hit wrong suits of being like that good looking, domineering, soft spoken, beautiful type. I don't want uh, That's, that's my only request though. Just I think, please, you know, please, the blasphemy in John your
0: Evans. own voice of what it is to compare yourself to John Evans. So <laughs> I'm going to let you live in your own shame. Uh, so I'm going to work really hard and, uh, and make this happen because we have a show that we promised you guys on a quasi regular basis, uh, well Kevin, what are you going to do
1: uh, i 'll probably take a nap out underneath the uh, in the day bed mm-hmm. with a light fan on mm, okay
0: well, this is as good a time as any. so uh, ladies and gentlemen, please say goodbye forever and ever to Kevin
1: Phillips. Thanks, Rath. love you
0: hey what 's up everybody? So uh, you may notice Kevin is no longer with us, which is a great thing. Uh, but when Kevin's gone, we like to bring on somebody who can fill his place, uh, who looks better than him, is more knowledgeable, and, uh, we thought we'd
2: bring back on John Evans. John, how are you doing? I am doing fantastic, Raph. Thank you for having me. Always a pleasure to be on the podcast. Not a problem. I will let you know, Kevin was not happy
0: you were taking over for him.
2: Uh, why is that? I I thought, uh, me and Kevin had a thing. You don't. Uh,
0: I hate to be the one to break it to you. Kevin is, he feels... Intimidated by you. Not only are you better at him at jujitsu, but you're better looking than him, which really brings uh, a problem to him. But also, I think he just thinks you win at life more than he does. Mm. Um, I mean... That's probably true. It is. But uh, a little harsh. A little harsh there. That's how we operate. Uh, For those of you not in the know, uh, John Evans does a great job on his channel. It's BJJBreakdown.com. It breaks down jiu-jitsu matches in a really technical and proficient way to try and educate people on what people are doing during a match. So you take a video of it and then you commentate in the corner, right? For a video on YouTube.
2: Yes. Um, It's... You know, I guess when you put it that way, it sounds rather simple, but uh, there's a lot that goes into jujitsu, And uh, you know, like the a lot that is hard to explain or convey just from looking at a video. So, I try yeah. to give that little bit of extra context, a little bit of extra insider information, yeah, so you can tell, like, oh, well, now there's a ton of weight. Being right. driven from this guy's shoulder into the other guy's face—that you kind of—it just looks like he's laying there, but it's this guy's head's There's about to pop terrible off. Terrible so. amount
0: of pressure being applied to their neck or <laughs> to some region where you're just like a layman may not tell that.
2: Yes, so right. it, it makes the matches more interesting. Is so if you don't know exactly what's going on in a particular jujitsu match, no matter how high level or low level it is, uh, then just knowing a little bit more about it. Really helps a lot. It
0: really does. And, and I would highly encourage you guys to go check it out, bjjbreakdown.com. Uh, what you, people may not know right now is that we're actually recording this, not just on, on audio, but you are putting us on a visual recording as well. Oh, right. we are
2: we are out there in the cyberspace.
0: This is terrifying. Yes, it is. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, one of the things that we normally do on the show, we do a segment called the One Minute Review of the Ultimate Fighter. Kevin's not here to do this. So I thought if it's cool, um, Maybe we could do it uh, with you. Now you haven't seen any of this season of the Ultimate Fighter, correct? Right?
2: So this sounds okay. amazing. So this already, is the yeah. first
0: experience you will have about this season's Ultimate Fighter. Yes,
2: I, I think I know the coaches. Who are the coaches? I think it's BJ Penn and Frankie Edgar. Right? He, a hundred percent. Everybody. Uh, okay, John. So how bad could uh, it be? Right.
0: <laughs> well, uh, yeah, well, all I right, need, all right. Wait, I don't know. Let's not find not out. The gun here. Uh, now, people have never seen this. Uh, captured on video so what you need to know is it, it's done in exactly one minute
2: okay this is, what's the name of this this, this is segment? the one minute review That's of the ultimate Fighter. Okay. okay all right okay. so why will just you go making... ahead and time it okay 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 we'll uh so
0: the way it works is oh, uh-huh. you, yep, oh great uh the way it works on here is um kevin usually starts off by saying
1: warning this is the one minute review of the ultimate fighter Brace yourselves, because here we go
0: previously on The Ultimate Fighter, the vaguely Kanye West looking fighter, Corey Anderson, beat up some hillbilly. Roger Zapata made some staggeringly simple generalizations about how simple the sport of wrestling is. But today, wrestler Ian Stevens has the chance to avenge the sport of wrestling and prove Zapata wrong. The Ultimate Fighter? Last pick, Zapata takes on the first pick, Stevens. But BJ Penn is optimistic. Yeah, Ian is the favorite, but Zapata, you know, he's gonna do it, maybe. Don't quote me on that. And in the first convoluted metaphor of the episode, Ian informs his team that Zapata may be here to bark, but I'm here to bite cool story bro Frankie's pretty confident about ian's skill as is ian uh pretty sure everybody thinks i'm gonna go ahead and like get an instant takedown but i want him to think the shot's coming and i want to surprise him with a right or a head kick oh awesome back from commercial sapata describes to tim how hard it was to leave his newborn daughter to do the show and that he has to think back to the brief good times he spent with her like that time she peed on him to which tim responds yeah that's cool i gotta take a fat shit fight to live BJ brings a surprise into the locker room hey guys you may recognize the guy to my left as my former nemesis now turned BFF Matt Hughes who's here because he has nothing better to do Matt Hughes then tells us he's formed a great relationship with BJ over the years, despite losing two out of the three times they fought against each other. Not that he's counting. Roger Zapata then takes a moment to soak in the advice of the legends in the room, while the old guys then proceed to beat the living shit out of him using wrestling. Too bad it's super simple, huh? Wonder if now would be a good time to tell Matt Hughes what a simple sport wrestling really is, huh, Zapata? Zapata takes us through his fight day routine. On the day of the fight, I take it easy, and then I eat some jerky. Then, as they wrap my hands, I'm like, oh shit, son, I'm fighting. Then I hit some pads, and then I do some cheerleading stretch, And I'm at, like, 85%. Then Coach BJ wakes up from a nap as I hit some more pads, and I'm at 95%, which I guess means I fight at 95% most of the times. Ian tells us that he builds confidence from round to round and becomes a different fighter each round, which strangely sounds like what a schizophrenic would say. Zapata then tells us he walks out to the cage. He channels his inner Ric Flair, yelling, Woo! and then I do a cartwheel. Then during the commercial, Corey shares his thoughts on who's going to win. Uh, Ian and Roger, you know, fight home, and then he holds it down for Team Red, and he's going to take over the cage and run into the ground pound. And, you know, he's going to walk out victorious. And then Ian tells us something about finding the edge and pushing past your limits by drinking Nas and doing a pull-up. Wow, amazing. Back from commercial. All right, you fucking guys, this is two fucking five-minute rounds. Then if it doesn't work, we go to a sudden victory round, and the winner of that round wins the fight usually. So good luck and drink fucking gnaws. Steve Mazzagatti welcome us to the fight. Alright, now bring it out! Come on! Ian comes out kinking, and then we're at the cage. Ian takes down Roger with that what looks like a full Nelson slam. Roger seems a little dazed. Ian capitalizes, takes Zapata's back. Ian's pushing him up against the cage as Roger starts hitting some elbows, and Steve Mazzagatti does not like the angle on those elbows, giving Roger his first warning, then his second. Even with his back compromised, Roger is still turning back as much as he can to throw some bows. Meanwhile, it's a coaching yell-off as Team Penn versus Team Edgar can't stop yelling out instructions. At the end of the round, Mazzagatti he goes up and asks roger if he understands what he's saying about the elbows Roger just kind of shrugs and says yeah i guess end of round one team penn and team edgar are very concerned for their fighters ian pulls the back of frankie edgar's head and pulls him close and whispers was that my round frankie pulls his head back and whispers yes And I'll never let go. Round two, and it's more of the same. Ian's got Roger's back and constantly turns and tries to hit Ian with his elbow. And that's about it. No, wait, Zapata gets a trip toward the end of round two. End of round two, fun fact. This is the only fight to have more illegal strikes thrown than significant strikes. The more you know. And the winner of the fight is, wait, we're going to a third. And Dana's really happy about that. Good for you, you fucking judges. Round three. Hey, John, ask me if we're up against the cage again.
2: Are we up Yes,
0: because another two minutes of the same exact goddamn thing. Ian shoots in and Roger's dropping more elbows than Macho Man Randy Savage. Only now, Mazzagatti has seen enough. At the two-minute mark, he gives Roger his last warning before ultimately deciding it's time to make things interesting and deduct one point, downward elbow. And Coleman lets out a bowel cry. Oh, no! Ian drifts back to his corner and takes a second to recover as his head looks like something out of a horror film. BJ, he's done! Finish him! And the father is not impressed. He's gonna fucking milk this. He doesn't want to fight anymore. He's exhausted. Which is enough to prompt Dana to leave the set. Mazzagatti then tells Zapata he warned him as Zapata looks at him exactly what he wasn't doing. Mazzagatti closes by telling Zapata not to argue with him. BJ thinks that the point deduction has taken the life out of Roger. Oh, that point took the wind out of his sails! And now we're at a decision and a break. Back from commercial, we hear performance highlights through the eyes of dana white basically ian fucking stevens does fucking nothing but zapata does a lot of stuff zapata opens up a cut on stevens we go to round three which makes me fucking happy then i don't know where like one point we find out dana was so angry he retreated back to his fortress of solitude to watch the rest of this fight fucking Mag- mazogati then just to add more confusion to the proceedings mazogati tells us your winner by decision ian zapata Jesus, Masagati, you can't get anything right today. Masagati then informed Zapata he was actually the winner despite all odds and math and logic. And that's enough to bring Dana back to this set, angrier and more confused than ever. Team Edgar walks over to the judges to give them a piece of their minds, then Dina lays into them. Dana then tells him, fuck, he lost a fucking point. How does he lose the fight? That's not fucking possible. I know, I took math all the way up to second fucking grade. BJ tells Zapata to leave before they reverse the decision. Dana tells everyone to go back to the locker rooms. Team Red is in disarray, but Ian takes the loss in stride and tells his team to calm down. Frankie says, I don't think I'd be able to do that, and Zapata does some good sportsmanship by repeating some elbows in the locker room, telling us he's a freestyle striker. You ain't gonna hose me and get the win. I'll LB you from everywhere including the illegal parts Zapata includes his terrible pro wrestling promo by saying look at his face look at mine is I bleeding wait my grammar don't make no sense no more so I'll just end with a woo because I don't even know what I'm saying anymore and BJ levels with us yeah I thought Ian was gonna win then he walks out and tells people I had to wipe off the champagne off of his face later Delena tells us how the decision was made so son victory point deduction two judges one judge Stevens ten eight two judges Zapata nine nine They're all fucking tied. Then they ask the judges to circle who they thought won, and they circle Zapata. Even the one who fucking gave it to Stevens. It doesn't make any sense. I'm taking fucking crazy pills here, people. Then, describes to us his real feelings. First of all, let me say, I think Zapata won that fight. I can't stand wrestlers who do nothing, but on the flip side, I think the guy who gets the 10-8 should win the fight. So really, I just entirely contradicted what I just said about Zapata winning. My point is, fuck the judges. Congratulations. Team Penn picked the next fight. And it's gonna be Anton Burston versus Pat Walsh. And BJ wants Anton to take on pat before he learns anything new and dana's got a favorite in the fight i think pat walsh is in trouble but this is boston versus philly and walsh is from boston and i'm a boston guy so once again i just said a contradiction dana closes out by telling Zapata, yeah karma won that match you didn't good job next time on the ultimate fighter team edgar is still but heard about the ian stevens decision the teams are yelling at each other in their free time then pat walsh takes on bj's number one pick anton burston next time on the ultimate fighter
2: Um, that was racist mm-hmm. and, uh, offensive mm-hmm. and I'm pretty sure it was over a minute. No, nah. I can't can show it to me. We have it on camera. Do we have it there? No, no, it was. Oh, you didn't time no, it. No, no, no. It started at seven oh six. Can't prove it. It seven fourteen. Yep.
0: Can't prove it. Oh. So anyway, that's the, are you inclined to watch the show now?
2: Mm. Was that the entire episode?
0: Uh, yeah, that was all the episode boiled down into one minute.
2: Or one minute. One minute. Okay. What are you quoting here for? Okay,
0: so <laughs> clearly John is all like, "What does this work? I am so confused how time and space works." But you know what? Let's give John a second to regain his thoughts, and we'll be right back with world's coverage. Uh, okay, that was a really good one-minute review right there. Um, I think we're gonna keep going along. Uh, hold on, real quick, guys. It looks like we're getting a phone call. Which is really strange uh, We don't normally take phone calls This isn't that kind of show but, Oh, yep, it's Kevin Alright, let's take it Kevin, come on Raph? hmm
1: You replaced me with John Evans, didn't you?
0: Yeah, I totally did
1: Such a bastard
0: Dude, you know the deal You know that John is next in line
1: I'm taking my birds and I'm leaving Oh, please, don't take the birds, birds. Shut up, birds, quiet down Because Raph replaced me with John Evans
0: geez way to hit me where it hurts you knew the one thing i couldn't live without which is birds hit. chirping on my podcast
1: if birds haven't stopped which has me only 50 percent nervous they prefer john evans to it's true.
0: kev do me a favor i've got this let me just do the podcast go away
1: he probably even smells good fuck you i'm out of here okay
0: goodbye kevin we now return to our World's coverage with BJJ Breakdown's John Evans. John and I actually ended up going to Worlds this weekend, right?
2: Yes. So tell people what is Worlds and what happens there. The World Jiu-Jitsu Championship is in Long Beach, California once a year, and it's, uh, it's a great event. If, if you've never been there, then, um, I mean, really you're missing out. The, all the top athletes in Jiu-Jitsu Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, and <laughs> <laughs> yeah. maybe not Japanese Jiu-Jitsu, um, they are there, and they're there to watch some people get it on in their pajamas. That sounded better That's in my terrible. head than it, yeah. No, God, but uh, there's a lot of great matches, and a lot of people come up from Brazil, mm-hmm. or even from Japan, uh, all over the world yeah. to compete, and you just see all the top guys Going for it. And it's all belt levels, too. So from white belts, which I think was on Thursday this year, all the way through the black belt finals, which was on Sunday.
0: Now, John, do me a favor. Tell me what was if people could only look at one match from Worlds, what would it be and why?
2: One match from Worlds. Maybe that would have to be the same match that has been the...
0: (laughs) the one that you're thinking.
2: No, no, not not the <laughs> not the grotesque one. That one is fantastic though. But uh, probably the it's the same story that's been played out over the last 3 years, okay. which is it's always in the open weight division, black belt finals and it's Bushesha who is the world champ currently in his weight division and the open weight and his opponent is Adolfo Vieira, who yeah. is I think in 2011 maybe or 2010, mm. he took the open weight title and he actually beat Bucea, mm. and so he wins his division every single year, and he goes on to the finals against Bucea in the open weight division every single year, and same thing with Bucea. So yeah. uh, exciting matches, exciting matches.
0: Now their history, like Hidolfo uh, is like one and five, but. I don't think that's accurate in the caliber of competitive spirit that is between these two fighters. am I correct? absolutely
2: the The fights are really close. Uh, they fought in the world Pro jiu Jitsu Cup. I believe it is, which is in Abu Dhabi. It just happened uh, a couple of months ago. Mm-hmm. I think you watched it with mm-hmm. me, yeah, a bit. Uh, and I mean, that match was insane. It came down to literally the last ten seconds in a sweep yeah. at the end. so it, I just. That's how nail-biting the matches are. Bouchesha seems to be able to pull it out every single time. Yeah. But uh, they're definitely close. Is it because, like, people say this about Bouchesha,
0: I think, and I find it to be true a lot, which is you don't know when the explosive action is going to happen with him. It's true. It's Uh, typically in the last minute, which makes
2: it uber exciting. It can be. He's really... He's humongous. Mm -hmm. He's just a big guy. I think he's like 6'3 or 6'4, and he's... He's just a mountain of a guy, but he moves like a featherweight. He's just running all around when he wants to. Sometimes I think the reason that you don't see him moving around so much in some of the uh, tougher matches for him is because they know how athletic he is. And they'll try to – his opponents will try to lock him down and limit his movement. So then you'll typically see him. Sometimes he's too tired, too. It's, yeah. just, it's a lot of matches against really top-notch competitors. But uh, usually you'll see him just go for it within the last minute or so, and it's fireworks. So. Yeah, and, and that was a truly great match to
0: watch. I do have to ask you, uh, who impressed you the most at Worlds this year?
2: There's three people that stand out to me. One would be Keenan Cornelius. Because even though he got a, a really bad DQ call, I mean, he beat Leandro Lowe pretty hmm. pretty straight up. Uh, and uh, yeah, he's bigger than Leandro Lowe, but it's his first year at Black Belt. right? And Leandro Lowe, is, is, he's the man. Uh, he beat him, and he did very well uh, against Bouchesha, mm-hmm. um, but uh, then ultimately got DQ'd in his weight division too. So we didn't even get to see what he could do in his weight division. It was kind of a really questionable call now
0: talk to me through this because i think the consensus for most people is uh and you helped explain this to me which is that there's an invisible line on yes. someone's chest am i right here <laughs> yeah we all have it okay there's an invisible you know line right. uh the IBJJF has decided every one of us has an inherent invisible line and if your foot crosses
2: that line Yep. If, it's, if your foot is coming from the outside of, of your opponent's leg mm-hmm. and crossing over their thigh and crosses that center line of mm-hmm. their belly button area, then that is knee reaping and it's DQ. Now, why is that dumb? Because I think there is frustration
0: with people in that rule. Uh, can you explain maybe why there is frustration and what are your feelings on that?
2: Absolutely. Uh, it's probably like one of the most debated rules in <laughs> Jiu Jitsu. It's, it's really, uh, I mean, I personally think it's a terrible rule. I understand why it's in place, but uh, I mean, it's just implemented so poorly. Uh, any type of tournament. Why
0: is the rule implemented? Is it to protect
2: people? It's to protect. It is? It's to protect the knee. Uh, back in old school Brazil, I guess, uh, when they were just starting uh, to do high-level tournaments, then there was no knee reaping like you couldn't they didn't know any of that stuff. So people were just doing it right. and then maybe trying to footlock like a heel hook off of it. And in the gi, it's very hard to escape a heel hook. And it's very easy to injure someone. Uh, the The danger with the heel hook, which you'll see in MMA, but not so much in jujitsu, mm-hmm. uh, because you typically don't feel pain until you've blown out the knee. Okay, So it can be very dangerous. It's it's a very dangerous technique. And if people, especially in a tournament, get overzealous and just crank it, you can really hurt somebody. So a lot of people's knees were getting messed up. Um, And one of the best places to footlock someone, whether it be a heel hook, toe hold, straight ankle lock, is from the knee reap position, where you're going around the outside of your opponent's thigh and crossing underneath the far leg of your opponent uh, with both of your legs. Okay. Now, I hear you explaining Mm -hmm. these things. (laughs) To a person who
0: doesn't understand jiu-jitsu, and I don't know why they'd be watching this, but let's assume they were, and that's maybe their first time, and they see that this guy gets decoded for putting his foot in the wrong place at the wrong time. Do you not feel that that is harder to try and get people excited about this sport, or is it just kind of a necessary evil that we have to go through?
2: I think it's definitely, like, even if it was a necessary evil, which I don't believe that it is, uh, I think that is a, a huge detractor to the sport. People, you know, Keenan's got, he's this new. Hot,
0: he's so hot right now.
2: <laughs> jiu-jitsu guy. You're welcome. Uh, uh, and so people that don't even watch jujitsu want to see his matches. Yes. Because he's done things that other uh, other people in jujitsu jitsu have never done, like winning the Grand Slam yeah. at Purple Belt, being one match away from winning it in Brown Belt, and yeah. arguably getting just screwed by the refs on that one. Yeah. Um, and, you know, just killing people at black belt, this is his first year and yep. killing some of the biggest names and making it very exciting, very and accessible
0: exciting. to people who may not get every element of jujitsu. Um, and I'm going to let you finish that thought, but I also want you to implement uh worm guard. <laughs> Where are we with that right now? How effective was it? And did people see it coming? It, so anyway,
2: you know, they should have seen it coming. Cause you put, put out a video about it before, <laughs> right the, before the world, the world. I mean, that doesn't give you a lot of time to (laughs) test test it. it. And I'm sure probably a lot more arrogant jujitsu people that were in his division are thinking, like, I don't need to learn this guy's stuff. Or maybe it's crap. You know, you never know. Like, maybe he's just saying, like, yeah, I'm putting this out, but (laughs) he's not really going to use it. But
0: isn't it crazy to you that when you hear him put out, like, hey, guys, check out my worm guard. And then it's like a trailer to a movie that you see happening, and that it's actually super effective when it was being used for certain of his opponents.
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, hats off to him. I'm not sure if he created it himself, sure. or if it was the people there at Autos with him, or, you know, other, like, maybe he has, like, a small group of people that they all try to bounce ideas off of and come yep. up with new things. Um, but it, that's exciting, though. And yeah. he used it, that's what he used against Leandro Lowe to beat him. Yep. You know, it, it's it's hard to deny that. So I think... I mean, that's really cool to me. Like, I love innovation like that. Yeah. And, and typically, it takes, That's I think that's part of what people want to see with Keenan. Like, it, it takes people many years of um, evolving a technique and, you know, a tournament testing it to make sure that the the moves work. Like, he just went out there and did it. And it's right. like, I, I have just seen insane. that before. It's insane. It's yeah. a fantastic technique, though. I mean, it yeah. worked very well, clearly. yeah. So uh, I think that's awesome. But then to see him get, DQ'd for knee reaping and you're just like, Really? Like now we can't even see him go on. I don't think people should get DQ'd unless there's something malicious involved, right? Like if if someone would you define that? Yeah. Well, if someone's knee reaping, you can knee reap without heel hooking. And that's really you know, like in Metamoris, they allowed knee reaping. Mm -hmm. And so by that standard you would think, well, it's it's so dangerous, everyone's knee must have gotten blown out. (laughs) A lot of people put the knee reap position in Everyone's knee was fine. Yep. So that's a pretty solid argument. There, yes, you can hurt the knee from just the knee re, uh, position If you really know what you're doing and you're really trying to damage the knee, it is possible. Mm. It's maybe at the highest level not probable. And also, if you're they're putting a lot of specific pressure on there. If you are a well-versed ref, you should be able to recognize that and stop it. And you could probably stop it without giving a DQ. You could say, hey, I'm going to, you know take a point away or DQ you next time you do that. Right. right. A warning. So, which <laughs> at a they very don't. high level, you yeah. don't want to see people get DQ'd on a technicality. Right. It's it just, it's bad for business. So, uh, I mean, I think they could just do it so many different ways or just they could allow it, you know, it, it, yeah. like it worked in metamoris. You don't have to heel hook off of it, but it's great for other footlock positions and doesn't have to necessarily hurt the knee. So I, I I think
0: I think one thing that is interesting to me and and not knowing or seeing this as much is there are certain rules that they kind of make allowances the further up you go is that something that you think at a black belt level could just be a little bit more like all right we're just letting you go you know the risks involved with
2: that or is that too dangerous for that level as well you know there is that argument that. Well, you're a black belt. If you don't know how to defend something, then maybe you shouldn't be competing at the black belt level, right? And right. I think that's a that's a valid argument. Um, there are some particular positions that can be much more dangerous than other ones. And, and when you talk about danger, you're not just talking about like, oh, yeah, like he might get injured and be out for a week or something. Right. It's like, okay, he's Permanent injured. Danger. It's surgery. He might not walk again type of thing. Yeah. Those ones maybe you have to go back and look at, right? And so especially with like the heel hook, but they allow the heel hook without the gi, where it's easier to to Mm. turn out of it. But with the gi, I guess so much friction, they're saying you can't escape. People get real stubborn. It's a tournament. It's a big tournament where they're not thinking so much about their well-being, as you can see from the uh, Michelle Nicolini final. Oh,
0: God. Um, I will
2: say this, and and you guys don't know this, and I'll I'll look here for this.
0: John is, um, John's got some problems in his head. And I didn't see the arm get broken during the Nicolini fight. But John sends me the video and is like, you've got to see this. It's amazing. <laughs> like, John, like, what? why did you enjoy that so much? Like, what was
2: it about that that was so... Uh, The fascinating part about that is that, okay, so it's the finals. It's the worlds. This is... This is the thing that people train. If you're, fight- if you're fighting in the gi, in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, this is what you look forward to all year. Mm-hmm. This is the one thing. This is your Super Bowl, right? right? So you're in the finals. It's the weight division finals, not the open weight finals, but it's still the finals. It's black belt. Sure. Uh, and this might be your only shot. You know, maybe you're not competitive next year. Maybe you're injured. Maybe you're too old after a couple of years of being injured or whatever. Sure. And this might be it for you. So you're there. Uh... And, you know, you're just going to give it your all. Yeah. Um, and this girl knew she was in horrible danger and felt her arm being pulled from a, a huh. terrific position. Huh. And she was just like, all right, I'm up on points. <laughs> I'm just going to let this puppy go. And <laughs> that thing got dislocated in a Horrific manner, and she kept fighting through she it. She did. And, and th- it was.
0: Was she one of the three people that you were impressed by? Is yes, that you were going to. Okay, absolutely. so she's the second. And uh, John is such a trooper that anytime someone's mentioned the technicality of how this move works, John has literally let people. Try it on him to show him because he's that enthusiastic about this
2: move. It's a pretty it's – an, it's an interesting move. It's uh, one that you don't see too much. In fact, I was in the stand, so I didn't have as close of a view as I mm-hmm. thought I would have. So when she got in the position, I thought Michelle Nicolini, who, who put it on this girl Tammy, um, I thought she – didn't know the position that well, mm. so she went after the submission. Felt like she couldn't get it and let it go. When in reality, she totally knew the position. She pulled on the arm. The arm bent uh, the wrong way. Oh, just
0: even describing it, it was like, <laughs> oh, I just, oh, it was terrible. Oh, it was, it was awful. Was and it? just
2: kind of flopped around. And uh, <laughs> then there's only so much you can do with that, right? The, she's still not tapping. She didn't scream, which could be a, a verbal tap. It could be. Thank it you. Could be a verbal. Appreciate tap. the plug. TM. Uh, but, uh, so she didn't do anything. She was just a trooper. She just let that thing go and was like, screw it. I'm, I'm here. Uh, and you know, what do you do? What do you do? You broke this person's arm or dislocated it severely. Yeah. And they're just like looking you in the eyes, like your move, right? Like, so you gotta, I mean, that's, that would be really weird for me if that happened in I dislocated someone's shoulder in, um, the Nogi worlds one year. And just because I thought he, thought he was more flexible than he was, mm-hmm. you know? So I kept pushing him. Some people have a lot more mobility in the shoulders. So I kept pushing it and then I felt the whole thing go out of place and it kind of turned my stomach a little bit. Cause you don't really want to injure people, you of know, course, like not. it's just a tournament. Like, right. you you know, and, and I didn't know how bad it was either at the time. So, uh, fortunately they popped it back and he was fine, but it was just like, Jesus, why would you let so this? So you were this <laughs> person. <laughs> And you sent me this video. Like, check this out. Oh, you
0: yeah. Do well, admit you know. maybe having a
2: problem? Do you need to see somebody about this? Are you uh, okay? Yeah. I, I, do you have anger issues? I, you know, I need to see more of these fights. That's what I need <laughs> to see because they are. It's exciting. It, you know, it is, that, it, is that is that exciting. Girl's got some cojones. Just letting she letting does her arm break and just stare you in the eyes oh, and like, God. what are you gonna do after that? But it, you know the words
0: intimidating. It, it's just the flop. It was the flop of the hand that where you terrible. just said, "Huh, huh, um." So that was something that was kind of interesting, at least from my level. And you mentioned there was a third um, in this. uh,
2: Who was the third and and why? The third was Lucas Lepre. Okay. And just because he was so dominant in this tournament, uh, he met in the finals um, Satoshi. Toshi? Uh, He's... (laughs) He's a Brazilian guy. I think he lives in Japan now, but he he's a very exciting fighter, really good athlete. Um, and this year he had bleached his hair blonde and he was I think it was like a Dragon Ball Z thing. I'm not joking. Like I think he was like going Super Saiyan on this. I
0: have heard rumors of Dragon Ball Z being yeah. very close. I, I to think, yeah. I think. Well, it is. Is that it Oh, is. I don't know. I
2: don't watch Oh, absolutely. You power up and then you I don't, know. I don't know what I'm saying. Oh my God, I'm so, I feel <laughs> so bad for some of these jiu-jitsu nerds. Uh, but this guy beat Lucas Lepre in the World Pro, the Abu Dhabi World Pro, mm-hmm. um, I think two years ago. Okay. And they always are very, very close matches. And Lucas Lepre met him in the finals after running through his opponents and beat him, I think it was 20 to 0. I okay. mean, it was just a uh, landslide. Yes. Yeah, And I just have never seen anyone dominant like that uh, in that weight division at Black Belt. So I thought that was really impressive to me. Interesting.
0: Cool. Yeah. You, do you have uh, overall impressions of what you saw? What was, you know, we talked about most impressive, best match that people had to see. Were there any other notable things that you, you did see over at the the
2: Worlds? Um, I mean, there was the, the tammy Nicolini match, oh, which was <laughs> brutal. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Other than that, uh, I mean, it was really disappointing to see Keenan get DQ'd. Yeah. Uh, it was good to see JT Torres get to the finals. That was amazing. That was great.
0: Uh, and yeah. we're, do you feel we're getting closer to an American taking no. this? Are, are, are we getting there? Because, I mean, I feel we're on the cusp of it because we are getting a certain people. The problem is, at least from my view, the people who are the top in the elite of each of those bracket categories have really tough competition.
2: It's true. I mean, I don't see an American winning hoffa mendez uh, Cabrina yeah. weight division <laughs> or Guy-Mendez and, you know, I, I, who did he fight in the finals this year? Uh, but I, I, don't, I really don't see any Americans winning those lower weight weight divisions anytime soon. I mean, our best bet there is probably Justin Rader who he'll meet uh, Cabrinha in the finals of the Nogi worlds pretty much consistently. I He's got a, he's got a decent shot, but I mean, it's just rough, you know,
0: I will say this. If you guys listen to a really, really cool uh, interview that I believe is going to go up on open mat radio, our friends over there, uh, Justin Rader might've suggested
2: He's kind of done with the IBJJF. I think um, I'm actually surprised a lot more athletes aren't done with it already. Be- just be- just because things like the DQ can happen, mm-hmm. and it, I mean, this is your livelihood. You will you you can make or break your career in the IBJJF uh, because you will base your income nearly on how you do in such a big tournament. Like you open a gym, that's the ultimate goal and you get students from that. So if you win, it's a big deal. If you get DQ'd, you know, that's, it's, that's huge. So, uh, you know, it's, and you don't get paid. That's the main thing. That's the hardest part. I think about that is just when people
0: aren't getting paid, it's a different story. And I think that's why Justin was alluding to that. He is doing more, um, MMA, because not like that's a great career, but at kind least of you thing. Get paid, but you, know. Know. you do get paid as opposed to here, you're kind of like, Ooh. okay. Well, you know, what? I think that we've we've got a good conversation about worlds right now. Um, what we're gonna do is we're actually going to uh, do another video segment, uh, and we we've invited John to come join us. So hopefully we'll be able to get him on there. But uh, we're gonna do a video. Breakdown with a couple of our friends from a, a few different podcasts. And we're going to talk a little bit more in-depth about Worlds because, honestly, it is hard to talk about it without seeing it.
2: It is. It is.
0: And uh, John was so great. He got some really cool footage, so hopefully we'll be able to splice some of that in. Absolutely. And uh, there's, there's just so many more stories that we wanted to talk about, but we did want to dedicate a, a good portion of uh, what we do here to kind of bring that up to people who maybe didn't get the chance to see it. And I think that would, uh, that would really elaborate uh, people's understanding about it. So I, I really thank you for taking your time oh, out. No. Thank and, you. uh, you know what, uh, Kevin, as far as I'm concerned,
2: no longer on the That's podcast. Okay. You're, you're now on. All Congratulations, right. John. Oh, no, thank you. Thank you. I, no you know, I, it, you made the right decision. Thank you. Yeah. I, I like that. It's He's clear.
0: already a yes, man. <laughs> this podcast just infinitely got better. Uh, so we're going to sign off for now, but thank you guys for listening. And, uh, we're going to take a break and we'll be right back. Uh, I, I decided today to bring on somebody who I've just I've really admired his work. I know you've all seen his work, and uh, quite frankly, he is doing some of the best film work in jiu-jitsu, Maybe the premier person right now working, uh, unquestionably. But uh, I wanted to bring on our good pal Stuart Cooper. Stuart, how are you doing today, man?
3: I'm doing very good. Thanks. How are you doing?
0: Pretty well, my man. Now. Uh, let me ask this before we even get uh, started. Everybody knows that you're making these incredible documentaries about jiu-jitsu. Yeah. How many do you have in the pipeline right now?
3: I think I've got something like 15 in the pipeline that, that are actually shot. So I have to edit 15. And I've, got an, um, I've arranged another like 10 to shoot as well. So that's going to be like 25. So I've got a lot to come like after this. So, on the 20th, I'm shooting a um, surfing BJJ documentary with uh, Clark Gracie and Joel Tudor. So that's going to be very abstract, and, um, you know, mixing jiu-jitsu with surfing. So, you know, and the I'm weird not- part
2: is
0: I've heard, and, and I think even from Clark as well, but a lot of the people say the the similarities between surfing and jiu-jitsu. Now, I'm definitely not great at yeah. jiu-jitsu, but I've never even tried surfing based on my lack of coordination skills. Is
3: that something that you found and tried? Oh, I've, I've tried, I I tried. went up to Hasifi with Bradley with Steamer, and um, we were surfing. I'm, I'm not kidding, because I was a skateboarder, you know, when I was younger. And, um, you know, like, there was always that good balance. and I've, I've been an athlete my whole life, and I just felt, yeah, I'll jump on the board straight away. Man, I couldn't even sit on that damn board. <laughs> I kept him falling off. I was like a drowning <laughs> seal. <laughs> it is, it really is. It's it's a it's hard, man. It's hard. Now, <laughs> you mentioned uh I can see how it definitely you know, like uh crosses over to jujitsu with the balance and just go into the just go into the flow, you know, and feeling for the movements. So you've really gotta relax and yeah. I, I wanna get into it but, you know. I've got so many other things going on. I was on. about
0: to say, I was like, you've got those 15 things that you need to edit <laughs> just on the pipeline. So, yeah. okay, let me see this. I'm doing the math in my head. There's uh 15 projects. So yeah. we should see that up in what, three days? <laughs>
3: All of them, right? Edited uh, and polished. Yeah, I wish. I wish it was that fast than that. I'm fast at editing, but man. Um they're gonna be going up over the course of over the course of the year. Sure. And the thing is. Is that? uh, Do
0: you get that from people? Do you get that expectation that it needs to be an immediate release, like as soon as you film with somebody? And is that difficult to kind of work Uh, around sometimes?
3: Only like, not really. Only like, there's like one one comment, like you know, every month, like oh, you know, we've waited long enough for this. When when's this going to (laughs) be out? And I'm like. You've waited long enough? Like, do you ever, just This guy has no idea what I've got on my plate. has <laughs> no idea what's been going on in my life for the last three months. You know? so, I do that, like that they're telling
0: you we've waited long enough
3: as if... Yeah, like you know, are,
0: we have waited long enough for you. <laughs>
3: <laughs> they've like, had like a countdown on their website and they're like, what gives? Yeah. What the yeah. shit, Stu? What are you doing, Stu? Being, <laughs> why, why are we waiting so long? Like, I, I had it with my kid, I was the under one. Which is fair enough, because I did promise people to be out a week ago. Mm. But, you know, I didn't realize I was going to lose, um, not lose, quit my job in Thailand, and then make the move to here, Oregon Bend. Then I got a staff infection, then I was at the Mondials, unexpectedly. So, all these film things combined, then my laptop shut down, and Ugh. I was thinking I'm going to have to buy a new laptop. But, you know, oh, that, that, that's something I will we'll do. With the funds from Indiegogo, I'm getting a new a new, uh, fast computer so I can get these videos out as quick as possible. You know,
0: now that's great. You just brought up the Indiegogo. Tell us a little bit yeah. about that and how that came together.
3: Well, the idea of Indiegogo is, um, I wrote a little summary and I made a little video of, because people were under the impression that I was making money from, uh, making jujitsu documentaries and anyone who's involved in, you know, um, the jiu-jitsu media—they know that there's not much money in jiu-jitsu. <laughs> no. no, there's no money there. But the sport's growing, so you know, hopefully, things, big things are going to happen. And so, I make—I just make ends meet with sponsors. Those logos that you see at the beginning—that's another thing I get from people. Too many logos at the beginning, it's like, Do you want to see this video? <laughs> <laughs> because otherwise, it wouldn't be made. You know? <laughs> So, yeah, the aim was uh, to make 20 40 minute documentaries in 12 months. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to raise 50000 US dollars, which sound a few people said, Wow, why is he asking for 50000 It's like, man, that's not much. Yeah. That <laughs> really isn't much at all. That's low budget filmmaking. It might sound a lot, but that's really not a lot. So, so far, I'm almost up to 17. So if I raise up to twenty, I've got eighteen days left to raise money, and um, I'll be able to release um, probably a good five five videos for free. But then I'm I'm gonna have to go pay per view. I'm gonna get my website changed and just pay per view, and it's gonna be like a $1 dollar or one ninety nine to watch the video, which is fair enough, you know. Now walk
0: me through this. Uh, you, why is it that you think there is so r- much resistance, not just for making money in Jiu-Jitsu, per se, but why do you think people, is it because they're not used to having to pay for anything, but why do you think that people just don't know that these things actually
3: cost money and time? Yeah, well, maybe it's because, like, so far on my YouTube channel, I've released 120 videos for free, and this will be 121, it's 43 minutes long with Kurt Asiando one. So um, there's going to be another four for free. So they're so used to me releasing free content, and then all of a sudden, boom, I'm, like, telling the truth, you know, like I make uh, my money from wedding videos, and this is a hobby. So maybe they're used to getting it for free, and I don't know. I mean, I've tried to make it as easy as possible for people to donate, but I can see the stats. Only 330 people have donated, 330. Mm -hmm. So... My average video will get, you know, uh, thirty thousand views in like one week, and then I'll creep up to hundred thousand views. So, like, if any, if all of you guys even thirty thousand in one week, and I write it in the description underneath, please just um, you know, I don't want to say please, like it would be yeah. nice if you could donate a dollar if you see if you watch this video and want want to see me continue and make more. But, um, I don't know. I don't know. People are, maybe it's like, I can't, I can't, I don't know what's going through, uh, what people are thinking. I I do find it. Oh, I will donate, but I'll do it later and they forget. I don't know. Mm.
0: I do find it fascinating though, that when you are doing these documentaries and you are traveling around that people aren't really figuring in the cost of time, uh, figuring in the cost of like, you're traveling everywhere.
2: Everywhere, Can you tell me
0: how many times you've been on a plane within the past nine months?
3: Oh shit! <laughs> I've I've lost count. Let me think. The last nine months, it's got to be it's got to be over twenty. It has Jesus. to be. And I mean, we're
0: not just talking about going from like LA to Vegas. We're going What's worldwide. Up? You were at ADCC, right?
3: Yeah, I was in China for um, a week, and that, oh my god, China! Yeah. I you know, just uh, I'm not in a rush to go back there. Oh, yeah? Why is that? <laughs> but it's just uh, smelly. The food is... I don't want to disrespect anyone in China with there. If, uh, if you, like, you like it, you like it. Each to their own, you know. But um, I've got to say it was, it was a bit strange having the event in China because there was no audience there whatsoever. Mm. And food was disgusting. See, and It was what, hard
0: for like, us watching it here. Because, A, they don't ever have their shit together whenever it's time to show you video of these things. Yeah. Uh, So, you know, you're looking at a live stream, and you might as well be using dial-up from 97 to watch this event. The live
3: stream is terrible.
0: It's really rough. And uh, not only that, but then you've got the organization skills of a nine-year-old because there's no consistency. At one point, you're watching a match, and then at another point, they bring in a halftime celebration yoga yeah, slash tai chi seminar that we're all looking at you're like oh is it over nope it can't be over because we haven't done these matches yet and so for us it, it is difficult to see it so that's why when i see something like your videos and, and you have like a four-part series for the adcc correct
3: yeah. and I'm, I'm gonna release that but then yesterday someone just sent me a link uh, budo videos are now they've somehow got hold of the footage and are releasing the DVD. I did So I'm, I'm hoping, I'm hoping they don't, like, have a problem with me releasing this four-part documentary because yeah. it's, it's for the good of the sport, you know, and it's this is going online for free. So I'm just raising, oh you know, I'm just yeah. stretching you know, jujitsu, which we all want to see, and, you know, trying to get the sport to the next levels. That's one thing I don't understand is, why these big jiu-jitsu companies like IBJJF and you know whenever I try and film something they're straight onto me and it's telling me I'm not allowed. I'm like mm-hmm. I'm doing a good thing for you guys for free. Yeah. Why are you so against me doing like like trying to promote the sport? It's crazy to me.
0: And I'll put this out there, and this is why I, as much as I love the sport, I love that I don't make a living off of the sport. Yeah. Is because. When I go to somewhere and I, I'm filming, say it be at a tournament, and they have these really crazy rules, you know, the joke I, I even said to you, but I, I say amongst my friends is oh no, what's the worst thing that could happen? People find out about the sport.
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh
0: no, we could potentially make it more popular and not a niche sport where our athletes don't make any money. Yeah. <laughs> what a terrible plan.
3: It's crazy. I mean, they are the going on about the rights. Oh, we have the rights to this, even though you filmed it. And so it's like, what? How do you have the rights to it? I filmed this thing, fucking thing.
0: Yeah.
3: I, <laughs> I edited it. I filmed it. So, um, fingers crossed, I don't get it taken off the internet. You yeah. know, so. I mean,
0: well, I let's put it this way if somebody's really going to come after you, we, we are not uh, afraid to publicly shame them for trying to. Hold stock footage because here's the thing, and this is why I bring up the the shitty uh, broadcast of it is because when we're trying to watch it, you have footage that is in way better picture quality than most things we've seen. So for me, there there's such a high value in, in that footage because you know the ADCC is very prestigious; yeah. it has some of the best matches, some of the best athletes, and to think that you can't a see it or B, you have to see it under these following guidelines, is insane.
3: Yeah, well, these big companies, I see how they work. They shoot with these big broadcast cameras that are like 10 times the price of my camera. Yet the results of my cameras are 20 times better in terms of quality than theirs. And then I'm able to move around and get other cutaway shots of them warming up backstage and Really get the really capture the feel of backstage and then warming up and close ups of the face of you know uh, them being focused or nervous and it gets more creative but they just have this you know like static you know these static cameras shooting on the mat mm. and there's just no creativity there and it's amazing the quality difference even though that camera costs so much it's bad quality. Yeah. It's what it is. It's pixelated. It's just not good. You know?
1: What is uh, it that
0: so, they're mostly doing wrong? I mean, I, I you
3: think...
1: don't
0: necessarily have to go into depth on that, but I notice a big thing that I've always appreciated about yours is not only the, the color correction that you're doing to it, um, but, the, but there seems to be a great element of style and editing prowess yeah. with it. it. It's a very difficult and tricky thing to explain to people who don't necessarily do those things on a regular basis but uh, that's why I, I'm so impressed by what you're doing.
3: Yeah, I mean, I, editing, I love shooting it and I lo- as I'm shooting it, I'm thinking in the editing the whole time so I spend a lot of time the editing and uh, the only subjects I was good at school, I'm not an academic person, I think there's academic people and then there's artistic people. I was always... I always got, like, A's in art, and when it came to, like, mathematics, you know, I didn't do too good, and science didn't do too good, but I was always good at sports and art, those two things. So, uh,
0: <laughs> so you were essentially beating up yourself, uh, throughout.
3: <laughs> you were bullying yourself around every
0: once in a while, that, that's a tricky <laughs> dichotomy to have, my friend.
3: <laughs> so, I just, um, you know, I think um, editing comes very naturally to me because, you know, growing up, I was always painting, I was always drawing. And that's how I see editing. I'm very, very creative. And um, that's like my new drawing. Like I would, all, every time I came home from school and at the weekends, I would have my sketch pad out on my oil painting board. I'd be, I'd be there painting away. And then I found a video camera and I find it very similar in editing. So, um, yeah, I spend, I spend a lot of time making things look yes. as abstract and giving it a style. And, you know, it's, it's also telling a story, which is a new thing for me. So it's really cool. I really enjoy
0: it. I do love that. I mean, I'm a huge narrative person. So I'm whenever yeah. I'm watching something, you know, I want to know what's something unique about this person. And sometimes I even yeah. want to know the unique thing before I even know what they're specializing in. Yeah. Uh, but like, I, I I'm so drawn to that. I do want to ask this because I I'm so genuinely intrigued about this. How did you get started in filmmaking? And more specifically, how did you make that connection? Do well. These guys are rolling around on the ground. I guess I could film that.
3: Yeah, well, basically, um, I went to university. You know, I did the whole system that you're meant to follow, like school. I a found it, two foundation courses in art, uh, art and design. Then um, went on to do a degree in content creation, whatever the hell that is. I got my degree, <laughs> you know, I got, I got a degree, you know, in something I have no idea what it is, but you know, the same. <laughs> I'm, I'm
0: going to let you know the American
3: education system, not that much different. Yeah, I found out afterwards that that was a test course and then never did it again. <laughs> <laughs> so after I left university, I was stuck. You know, I didn't know what I wanted to do. And for two years, I'm basically, I have no jobs. But at that time is when I first saw the UFC. And I was always into, like growing up where I come from, I was in street fights all the time, all the time. So I was always looking for a martial art that was effective. So I went along to karate, went along to, you know, Aikido, and never found anything effective, you know, when it did come down to me defending myself. So when I finally saw UFC on TV, I was like, whoa, this is real. What the hell is this? So I asked my friends, what the hell is this UFC stuff? I want to learn it. And um, I'm 23 at the time, just finished university, and they tell me it's MMA. Next day, I'm straight down to the nearest MMA um, uh, club and man I just get my ass kicked I thought I could handle myself and I'm just getting triangled and arm and hmm. I didn't know what these things were at the time but people were it was the the takedowns and just the way they were controlling me on the ground you know I was like why can't I get this guy off me like I'm strong but he's not moving <laughs> <laughs> and um, it just fascinated me so I asked the actors what is this ground stuff and they're like, this is Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. Uh, we blend it together. And like, can I just do this separate? Mm-hmm. And they're like, yes. Yeah. So I moved back up north to my parents' house and I took up Jiu Jitsu full time. So even though I didn't have a job, I like, because I fell in love with it straight away. And I definitely had a natural uh, talent for Jiu Jitsu. And I was started winning F and white belt to blue belt to purple belt. I, I got so many gold medals. And then, unfortunately, actually, um, well, I wouldn't say unfortunately. The best thing that ever happened to me. One time in training, my arm got dislocated the opposite mm-hmm. way. My left arm, which is still not right today, it uh, snapped back the opposite way. So it took it took me out for nine months. But I liked being around the sport so much that I picked up a um, you know I had a little video camera and started filming. You know, just my teammates at the gym doing stuff, going down to the competitions, filming their fights. And um using a little editing programme, iMovie, started edit editing it together. And then people start you know, my teammates and people around me saying, Stu, you're pretty good at this, you know, you've got a natural got you a know, natural eye for this video stuff. So I recovered, got back into the um jujitsu again, started winning everything, you know, um, started doing really well, then I get my foot broke. <laughs> no. So and then I get my foot broke again, just when I come back from my other foot. So <laughs> Yeah, I then so to keep my mind active, I'm very I have to keep my mind active, otherwise I go crazy. So I started filming again, then my friends started saying, Hey, do you wanna film my wedding so I can get married soon? So I started filming weddings and getting paid for it. And I'm like, damn, I can make a living from filming weddings. So next you know, one thing led to another and before I knew it, a good friend of mine, Jason Tan, who ran a grappling on me, hired me to film all the super fights and make a highlight of his grappling tournament and actually got paid for it. So um, that's how it all happened. And then he put me in touch with um, Ryan Hall and I filmed his seminar. Didn't know what I was doing, just filmed it, hoping for the best, but like, I mm-hmm. see if something would happen from it. And I filmed the with Nelson seminar and then he put me in touch with Browley Steamer where I made the road to ADCC documentaries. And those were the first things I ever made. Mm-hmm. And, it was the response on the internet and the positive feedback where I was like, hey, I'm onto something here. People are, I'm getting a shitload of views here. People are liking this. Hmm. So I just stuck at it. I would never stick at it if people weren't watching it. Say I got 100 views. I would never have carried on. But it's the fact that we getting thousands of views and everyone was – it was the first time anyone had seen anything in that kind of quality on jujitsu. So um, then I got an invite to Brazil by Dennis Ash at Connection Rio and made a documentary on Kira Gracie then Husamar Harris, and yeah, the rest is history, you know. So I've been That's doing it for about four four or five years now. That's
0: so impressive. And you know, honestly, I'm now just starting to plan a wedding. What I wouldn't give to see a Stuart Cooper Films wedding presentation especially <laughs> now how you've grown because my my brain is is racking and I'm I'm thinking of of how pure that that quality has to be um yeah. I do I, and I I have always wondered this um I don't know that I've really heard you talk about your process of what makes you want to do a documentary on someone now I imagine you're at a point now where you have as you're alluding to here people who are mentioning oh my god uh you got to see this guy, or you've got to get this guy to shoot you. But yeah. uh, now you've probably got people who are just, like, coming down after you and just being like, for yeah. the love of God, film me rolling. Honestly,
3: I'm, I met, um, like, I was just at the Mundials, and I was shocked. Because I think the documentary finally went out about me. Yes. And then my face was finally in front of the camera. But when I'm at the Mundials, I was I couldn't believe how many people recognized no, me.
0: No, you were a golden god there.
3: I couldn't uh, believe it. Like, I the- was
0: walking right I next felt- to you at several points during the Mondials, and
3: I was getting my photograph taken every yeah. five minutes. I felt like I was like, you or something. <laughs> well,
0: I mean, you you essentially were. My favorite is this interaction, and uh, you can never say these things, but I'll say them for you. Yeah. I love that you have... Have you ever seen the movie Coming to America? Yes, yeah, okay. yeah. Okay. You know the moment when, like, uh, Eddie Murphy is about to go to the restroom. Yeah, and they recognize him as the king, and it's just <laughs> these people coming up to him and being like, "Thank, thank, thank, thank you so much!" Oh my God, yeah. can, I, can I can I just get a picture with you? And everybody's looking yeah. like, "What's uh, what's the matter? Like, what's going on?" They don't know that this guy's the king, but you mm-hmm. had people coming up to you, and I I love this interaction, and yeah, I think it's I real, know. and I, I, I love that people are coming up to you and saying like, "Thank you for doing what you do."
3: Yeah, uh, how really does that make you feel about your work? it was really nice actually because so many people did that and they were all saying thank you so much for doing this like I, I love your documentaries thank you so much I really appreciate what you're doing for the community and it was man stuff like that again it pushes me even more I'm like wow you know I'm really making a difference here I'm actually like Kyle Maynard says you know and um, you've got to whatever you do in this life you have got to do something that means something and you got to do something where you help other people. You, know, you, you inspire other people in some way. So um, you know, that's uh, kind of why I'm sticking on to this because I see how much of an impact I'm making on jiu-jitsu. And so, um, I
0: think yeah. you, you are hitting a prime spot. And my biggest problem with the sport has always been that we are getting in an age where social media, digital things are happening. There's yeah. more ways to record it. And there are parts of what our history is for the sport that are very oral-based. Uh, it's like they have these legends that live in the academies that don't really get communicated to everywhere.
3: Oh, exactly. Like one of those legends is Sergio Pena. Is that, mm-hmm. Sergio Pena, yeah. Pena, yeah. So um, he was actually Paul Moran from Open uh, My Radio. Yeah. Yeah, boo, screw that guy don't mention
0: <laughs> he's the, the like devil
3: <laughs> that you don't mention on this show but uh, he, he it, that's his academy where he trains the most so he took me down there I trained with all the guys and you know we ended up do, um, I did some filming there uh, like while I'm training that's kind of what I do I film I train I film I train so one minute I'm training then I pick up the video camera and then um, I'm filming again and we got a nice long interview with him afterwards and that's the first interview he has ever done. He yeah. doesn't like it. So um, that's going to be a good one when it comes out. I wish I had more footage of him, which I can definitely go back and get, um, which I probably will be, you know, because I've got such a, you know, so many documentaries to edit. So, and
0: I'll, I'll say this, uh, you know, I, I know a lot about his history uh, just as a fan yeah, but it was one thing where uh, Paul very nicely invited me to go over to train over there. And, yeah. and just seeing the vibe of that academy was so great. I had told Paul I had a really super shitty day. Uh, I was covering something for the UFC, and it was a terrible day. And yeah. uh, I ended up calling Paul and being like, hey, man, where should I go train? He's like, go train at Sergio Pena's. And I'm like, all right, all right, I'll go there. And And you instantly see why... For this gym, especially, why everybody loves him so much. He, yeah. He's such a great presence, and I, I was really happy. And the best compliment I could play to that place was uh, it felt like rolling at home for me.
3: Yeah. Yeah. And, my, I uh, got that was so great. Yeah. Well it really was. Well and then um, it was great training there because that's a really good place to train. You know, I trained with a really good purple belt, and then the rest of them were just black belts and were putting me with. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was, Because I was like, uh, they didn't, you know, I was new to their academy. Mm. I think basically, I overheard them say, "Hey, represent our academy." So you know, they were were giving it to me. uh, Oh no, they—they definitely.
0: uh, I think probably because of all the things I've said about Paul, we're like, let's get this (laughs) asshole. Let's go for it. And I, you know, the the best part is, I like when people don't treat me special when I go to a place.
3: Yes, exactly, nice. I, I, and they didn't, they didn't, uh, that was awesome, you know, there's a few people I knew, you know, uh, recognized um, recognized me um, from my documentaries, but not many, so I felt that that was really cool, yeah. and uh, when it was rolling with the people, um, yeah, they were going for it, it was awesome, you yeah. know, so the they weren't holding back, and, you know, no-gi is my game. Like, I love no-gi. My gi game's very rusty at the moment. Really? Otherwise, I would have actually competed in the Mundials. Really? Yeah, well, just looking at, um, if I kept up the gi, because I've just been training no-gi in wrestling MMA for two years, I mean, I fought, I fought Tim Spriggs in the Europeans uh, when I was, we were both blue belts, and, man, he beat me marginally. Like, Tim Spriggs just won... His uh, weight division at uh, Brown Belt and the Mundials, yeah. so I know for a fact. Like, I've not stopped training since, you know, at all since he has. So yeah, I, I would definitely want to. Dude, I'm
0: of... I'm confused. Are you trying to get me to set something up here? Because oh, no, I no. have not a problem being a Don King <laughs> and making plenty of money off of this. Maybe yeah. this is where the Indiegogo lies.
3: <laughs> it just kind of like let me know where I, where I was at. Even though it was such a long time ago when we competed, of course. Uh, I know I'm definitely capable of winning something big, and that's... That's where, hopefully, I'm going to shock people at the Nogi Worlds. So I'm going to enter that as a brown belt. That's awesome. Uh, I really want to show people that I'm, I ain't just um, a filmmaker. I can, I can grapple too, especially Nogi.
0: Yeah, I mean, you, I've seen uh, footage of you rolling. You don't yeah. look like a guy who just, you know, let's yeah. put it this way. You don't look like a normal camera guy. I'm around <laughs> dozens of camera guys. And, uh, you know, when you're walking around with your, what is it, 8-pack <laughs> just on a normal day uh no it's it's cool we get it you yeah. you basically have the whole uh what do we like to call it i think it was scotty nelson was calling you the james bond
3: the daniel craig james bond I've got of the, jiu-jitsu I've been called the james bond of jiu-jitsu and the indiana jones of jiu-jitsu <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh no only the a...
0: coolest people ever in movies well no, too been... bad Now, I do got to ask you this, you you know, when you are, you know, what is it that you are looking for though, when you are doing a documentary and is it that when you are rolling with them, is there like another level of trust that they're affording you?
3: Yeah. I mean, I like to make documentaries on people who, you, you know, I'm a fan of and I want to get into that. You know, I want to see what makes them so successful. What is it that makes them so good, you know? to that next level, because I do very well, you know, with black belts, especially Nogi, you know, I believe in Nogi, you know, I'm up there. But then you spot the black belts that are world-class. They're just, there should be another belt for those guys. And it's just, feeling the power of those guys, I'm like, how the hell do they get to that level? So that's what I'm interested in. But also at the same time, I want to make a documentary on someone who's who I have respect for, like, I'm not going to make a documentary on someone who's a, who's a big name, but he's an a-hole, you know? Mm. So um, I'm, I've come across a few, and I regret, you know, <laughs> making documentaries on, I'm not a few, like, yeah, I'm not going to mention anything, but... You
0: don't need to say anything. You, yeah. I mean, the, the but, funny uh, thing about really uh, shitty human beings is that just, sometimes yeah. it comes to air without you having to do anything.
3: Yeah, it's, it's cr- I've, had, I've had some problems with some people in the past. Even going to do a free documentary for them, mm-hmm. and then they'll they come back at me and like, hey, wait, why haven't you finished this? Why isn't this done yet? I'm like, dude, you've no... Just think to ask first <laughs> what's been going on in my life. Yeah. You've, no, you've no idea. you know. And then actually, and I don't want to tell them you know, what personal things have been going on in my life. But then it gets to the point where I have to tell them right and you
0: know so i mean whenever somebody is uh really ridiculous to me and and comes at me in that kind of form yeah. uh my first instinct is to always try and illuminate how crazy they sound by doing it right back at them yeah so whenever they do that it's like you're not my dad uh, <laughs> you know stuff like that where they're just like well and it's like no but seriously dude uh shit's happened yeah. we all are grown adults and we all have things that that take our time.
3: Yeah, I mean lives, and when well, you're putting
0: it in it's a project of passion. You know, yeah. there's a certain kind of accountability that that is harder to have.
3: Yeah. Okay, I definitely find the people that I make documentaries on. It's never in a horrible way, but the, uh, the people who I shoot, they're always asking like, "Oh, is, is it ready yet? Is it ready yet?" I'm like, yeah, "Dude. Yeah. Like it's been a week. Just chill out." And then <laughs> I get emails from every day. Is it ready yet? I'm excited. I'm anxious to see. It. Is it ready? I'm like, come on, man, just leave me alone. <laughs> I'm on, you can't rush out. If you want me to get it out tomorrow, it's going to be shit. But if you just be patient, it's going to be good. You know? I will
0: say this is because a lot of our sport, um, a lot of people just don't do filmmaking as a hobby. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, we all have our different uh, talents and what we're good at, and I find that you know sometimes people who specialize at being really good at jiu-jitsu may not know that you know in the time it took you to roll and conduct like a two-hour class uh this footage still hasn't rendered yeah
3: so just
0: a just a heads up everybody uh keep that into consideration it'll take 29 classes for this footage to render
3: yeah does that make sense to you Um, yesterday But for some reason, my Kurt Asiander documentary, it failed on the export. So I had to export it again. It took all day. It took the whole day on my laptop. So then I had to export it again to compress it so it fits on YouTube. That took overnight. And now I'm finally uploading it. it, Just exporting it takes two days. Mm -hmm. Two days. On my laptop, anyway. That's because I called
0: coffee on it. <laughs> <laughs> Well, maybe one of these days you can walk people through and, uh, you know, they have the different sizes that you can export yeah. those videos for. Why don't you just make, like, an iPhone yeah. export style and be like, oh, yeah, it's finished. Here you go. And they're like, why yeah. is this quality so shitty? Well, you get what you pay for, folks. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I do have to ask this. Uh, you know, what is coming up in your future? Where do you see this going? I know that you've just uh, signed with Five Grappling, which... I love those guys. I think it's a great marriage, and I personally uh, am, am both fan of you and them, so I really can't wait to see what you guys are doing. But but tell us, what do you have in the future? Like Where do you see this going?
3: Yeah, so basically, I've, I've teamed up with Five Grappling, which is something I've been waiting for for so long. I was literally about to go. I had my bags packed, ready to go back to Thailand and start this editing. So I had a job with at Tiger Muay Thai, teaching Jiu-Jitsu, and... It's a great, it's just an amazing place. It's paradise out there. Mm-hmm. And just before I got on the, hours before I was about to get on the plane, you know, I had a meeting with the five guys and I have a lot of people approaching me all the time. <clears throat> so I never take them seriously. I've lost count how many meetings I've had and people basically wanting to shit for free and I'm like, right. Yeah. So I didn't know what they were about to offer me. And then they were really nice guys and <clears throat> they basically told me all about the tournament, where they want to take it. And they want to make it the most... You want to make it the most prestigious, you know, um, grappling tournament on, on the planet. So like like ADCC, you know, and better than IBJJF, which I think is definitely, definitely going to go in that direction. So they've hired me to be like, you know, the head of the video department and to make all the videos and the highlight reels, you know, look absolutely like crisp and all the promote promotion videos mm-hmm. and, you know, start making counts, not... Kind of countdown shows, but I'll do it. I'll do it in my own abstract way. Sure. You know, it's not going to be your typical UFC formula or the met- the Metamorist formula. I, it's going to be I, like
0: Keenan Cornelius yeah, hasn't eaten for be, yeah. a
3: week to make this fight. Yeah, I, I'm not going to. I'm not a fan of voiceover stuff, you know. So uh, <laughs> I think sometimes it's like the saying, "Less is more." Yeah. So if you have less stuff, less money it makes you more creative. So true. So uh, It's definitely true because, you know, I'm not going to say which company I was actually with at Black House the other day, but they were, had a big camera crew on the shooting, and I'm right next to them, you know, with, you know, half the equipment. Even, like, not even that, but they've got... And I'm thinking to myself, mine is going to turn out better than yours. Mm-hmm. And you don't even know it. <laughs> I do.
0: I, I have to say this. This is so yeah. refreshing that... You know, you know, Not only are you a guy who does want to be a, a competitor in the jiu-jitsu circuit, and I, I love that, and I, I really would love to see you uh, doing and tearing shit up at, at Nogi Worlds, but I love that you also have a competitive spirit to give the best product possible.
3: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, just, I just, it's great getting positive feedback, and, and another thing, I think people like my documentaries because I do the sport myself. And the questions I ask are not like, so uh, what do you do in the morning? What do you eat? You know, how, many, how, how many calories do you have a day? How many? Uh, do you do weightlifting? Like I don't ask bullshit questions like that. Right. It's, you're not get, getting to know the true person. I like to ask, you know, really like get into get into the mind of these people. You know, like what do you think makes you successful? What is happiness to you? Could yeah. you have ever done like a nine to five job? You know, so I really like ask different kinds of questions, and they're very open questions. And that's, you know, and I I make it into a conversation, make them feel very comfortable. A lot of times, I turn the camera on, and they don't even realize we're rolling. And then I start having a conversation with them, and then they look at me and they're like, "So when are we going to start recording?" I'm like, "We already have." (laughs) So that's is the more I get really, um, it's more genuine then. Because if you make it very, like, formal, like, okay, so question one, like, uh, it it can be fake a lot of the time. And then, you know, a lot of the answers can be not fake, but, you know, a bit more. People
0: who aren't media trained tend to turn on a certain persona when they're performing. If they aren't really consistently used to being in front of a camera – and mm-hmm. it is hard because a lot of people who do teach jujitsu and who do mixed martial arts have a teacher mentality. So yeah. sometimes they can speak naturally, but they're not used to just being interpersonal. Like yeah. they're not used to being interpersonal in front of a camera. If you're yeah. asking me and I'm not used to it, it's like, my day's great. great. Uh, you know, I've uh, – <laughs> wow, I've just been so uh, overwhelmed. I-, I have to say it's overwhelming. You know, it- it's a difference yeah. in somebody's voice and it's very easy to tell. That authenticity. Um, So yeah, let's say, you know, with five grappling, I think the thing that's great with you and them is you get that access uh, to not only the matches, but the athletes, which is a huge thing for us to understand their motivations and why they're doing what they do. So I'm going to put this on you. So special as well. Yeah. I'm going to put this on you though. Again, no pressure. Yeah, sure. But um, make them good. Because I think that when people talk about competition, I think we see all of those tournaments that are really stuffy about the footage and uh, media access. I think they're going to have to start bending their rules if there's more competition. And I think it really is only a matter of time before people are able to take those prosumer cameras that they have when they go to the Isles and they go to Worlds. They go to all these different tournaments and they can get high-quality footage.
3: And one, what, what, one thing we're doing with Five is we're trying to get um, as many of the, the big names. Like we've already got Lovato Jr. competing and Clark Gracie. Mm-hmm. We want to get like, the Boucheshes, and Bravo Team and Hadolfos competing in the pro divisions. And we're going to get profile videos, just uh, basically documentaries made by myself. And then we're going to have, like, possibly, you know, in the future, have uh, this, this is where we're going, like, tournaments and have, like, you know, again, like kind of like countdown shows, doing in my doing in my own style. Yep. You know, and they're all fighting for this one belt. Yeah. So we're going to have like a belt for the pro division and for the other lower divisions. Why? You I know, inner, intermediate, advanced, and then pros. So like one of the prizes is, um, no matter what division you're in, um, you'll actually get a video made by myself where like you know you're having. <laughs> Your average blue belt can, um, will wow. win a and I'll come down and make a documentary on them and see how they get into jujitsu. So, um, yeah. That's uh, so cool. Of, you know, competing in five, so we just need to make sure the, the top-level grapplers know that, hey, we're, we're making this uh, five grappling. Like, we're going to take it to the next level. But This is going to be the tournament to go to, you know? This is, wow. I- so
0: is this a good time to remind people you have an Indiegogo? Because, uh, you know, all of the work that you consider that has to be, but not only that, but the fact that you're not just thinking about the top athletes, but you're thinking about the people who want to make names for themselves. Yeah. Having the ability and access to do that. So, yeah, I mean, guys, and I've broken this down, uh, Stu, a couple times in my head. Yeah. Um, Let's say, like you said, if everybody gave a dollar. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that that would be life-changing for in terms of what it is that you're producing out there. But, uh, I mean, think of it this way. For every documentary that you see of stews, yeah. just count how many minutes you are watching and then divide it by a dollar and really see if you can't justify sending maybe even a couple more.
3: Yeah. I mean, like, one dollar, I mean, it's 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 nothing, you know? And I really hope that people... Don't rip it off and put it on YouTube for free because that's just really low, considering it's a dollar. But I wanted, I wanted to keep it for free online by people donating a dollar because that that was the idea. Keep it online for free on YouTube, but because uh, people haven't donated, I'm I'm, I have to to take the next step, which is make a pay per view website, which I didn't want to do, but that's what I have to do. If I have to give a I'm um, to carry on doing this. Otherwise, yep. I've got to find another way to pay the bills, you know? Yep, no, so, I the agree. thing about you know, me making these films is it gives the athletes more exposure and it's yep. taking the sport to the next level. Me making these documentaries, you know, I've just started making these 40 minute documentaries to an hour and um, it, it's taking the sport to a bigger stage, you know, that it deserves. So, um, you know, like I said, it gives the athletes more exposure, it, gets, it gives them you know, a a chance to get more sponsors and get the name out there. So by everyone donating, we're actually, you're not donating to me, you're donating to the, to the sport and we're all working together, you know, like, so people need to realize you're not giving me money. You're you're helping me grow this sport together. We're all working together.
0: True fact. Stu, I want to thank you so much, uh, really for stopping by here. I really I love hearing your process. I love hearing the passion that you bring to it. And uh, as a person who does filmmaking on the side as a hobby, uh, you know, I, I'm so in awe of what it is you're doing. And I really appreciate that you are doing that for the community.
3: Yeah. Well, thank you thank you very much. I really appreciate that.
0: Not a problem. Now, you guys, uh, you want to go ahead and go over to check out uh, the Indiegogo with Stuart Cooper. If you need more information, you can find it on our website, we're also going to be tweeting out the link a couple times. If you're looking for Stu, you can also find him on Twitter, at Stu. Um, Stu Cooper Films
3: on Twitter. Sweet. And you're also on Instagram at that same one as well? Uh, Stuart Cooper Films is on Instagram. And if you're having trouble finding the Indiegogo link, just go on Google and type in Stuart Cooper Indiegogo, and it'll come up right at the top.
0: It better be. I mean, if there's another Stuart Cooper asking for money, I'm not giving him any. <laughs> Uh, but uh, no it's a great thing and you know Stu it's only a matter of time before you know maybe the reason people aren't donating it you haven't done a verbal tap documentary and maybe that'll be the thing that puts you over one of these days (laughs) but we can talk about that another time my man I want to thank you so much for making uh, time to talk with us and I hope you have a great rest of your day buddy
3: I just want to say a very big you know a big thanks to all the people that um, you know came up to me at the Mundials and were very polite and just you know it said very kind things to me, you know, how how good of a job I'm doing. So that that meant a lot. People coming up to me like that was it was really kind. It was cuz it's it never happened to me before. So that that was really cool. That was cool. That's awesome.
0: Stuart Cooper everybody. Hey guys, I think you'll agree with me. This has been the best episode of Verbal Tap podcast. Don't you agree, Kevin?
1: No, I don't agree with you. That's, uh, that's harsh. Though the birds, are, is that why you were saying or because I was gone for most of it?
0: Kev, I do have to ask this. Have you literally just been sitting there the whole time I've been doing this
1: podcast? Yes, I haven't. I'm <laughs> um, just, you know, smoking the fine. I mean, breathing in the fine Kansas mm-hmm. mist. Mm-hmm. You might say I'm high, on the, I can't even, I'm so terrible with this. Okay, I'll just get to the end of the podcast part. You gave me some time for shout outs, which I appreciate. I'm going to start with our family lab, Bree, who's right here, and her friend, the barn cat Cole, who just happened to put on the Phillips household and they started feeding him and whatever. The rest is history. It's like a children's <laughs> book around here. Thanks to Boys State and all those. Helpful. This is how Kevin's shout-outs go when he's back <laughs>
0: in Kansas. We I'd like to like, shout out, out of there. my dog, uh, this, this house cat that became a, a wild cat, uh, this tree. <laughs> and I, <beat> trees. Hey.
1: <laughs> I like that you went with the George Bush boys, too. That was oh, no, no, no. Fun.
0: The thing is, is Kev, I can't really hurt your feelings. I've done impressions of you on the show when you're not around. Oh, so,
1: damn. Like, <laughs> I don't even hear. Oh, they're, really. they're pretty good. Well, I have to listen to this podcast for a change. Hey, my family has obviously been hosting me, sort of the Phillips family. Uh, thanks, and that's about it for my shout-outs. Probably going to stop by KCBJJ, hopefully Friday or Saturday. Uh, that's all I got.
0: Sweet, and while you're out there, apparently Bubba, the Bubbasaurus, is going to be fighting on Bellator.
1: Ooh. Ooh, so be sure sword. to look
0: that i think he's actually close to you so you might want to look that up uh yeah really? yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah you definitely should look that up i meant to tell you that but i was like i don't know how much shit he's got but clearly uh, if you're outside uh, with the birds i think you've got some time to kill
1: having a little podcast break mm-hmm. okay.
0: uh so yeah let's let's definitely shout out the Bubba Oh Spurs. shout out
1: to you also raf for carrying the load bah. yes to the bubble source but also bah. to rafa esparza for his uh you know, 90 10 work this week.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's nothing unusual. I'm usually carrying this podcast on my shoulders anyway.
1: Uh, I was actually seeing it. I thought you were going to counter with 95-5, but I'll take nah. it. Nah, <laughs>
0: I, I, I was going to be nice to you, but just be a dick and like credit myself more than I do. <laughs> Off need
1: air? Yeah, 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 while you're talking to Dreamy McEvans. Why don't you shout out John Evans? <sighs> Why would I? You guys, <laughs> because- after my life. <laughs> he's going to start growing his hair out and making uh really douchey generalization <laughs> metaphors. That's what he's next. How he's dare you?
0: That's so mean. <laughs> I'm going to tell him that and he's going to break your arm.
1: <laughs> uh, he honestly might.
0: I, I will tell you this during uh practice today. Uh, John doesn't know this yet. He'll, he'll figure it out once we see this footage, I guess. But one of the guys was rolling, with John, put a camera out so that he could have it recorded of him and John. And I saw that the angle wasn't right, so I went to go fix the, the camera angle. And I immediately started commentating as John Evans. <laughs> so I was talking as myself, being like, wow, John, what do you think about that movie that he's doing right there? <laughs> you were and interviewing then, yourself? Oh yeah, definitely. And but, then on the other side, perfect. you just hear being, oh, well, you know, the funny thing that he's doing right here is uh, John Evans is actually... Oh, yep, here it comes. It's a very sneaky choke. And as you'll see right here, he's looped (laughs) it in underneath. Now, you want to go underneath because if you go over the top, then you don't quite get the choke in. And sure enough, uh, John stops rolling. He gets the tab. He comes over to the kid, and he starts teaching right then and there. And what does he say? It's a very sneaky choke. What you need to do is you need to go here and here. And I'm I'm (laughs) just trying to contain my laughter over to the side before he realizes what's happened. Uh, and the guy whose uh, video it was, he looked at me and he goes, I want to hear what you were saying because we couldn't hear what you were saying, and I'm sure it's going to be interesting. I was like, ah, it's nothing. <laughs> bah, it's nothing.
1: Hell kid that was rolling, that filmed it, I need a copy. Bad. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think you'll enjoy it,
1: Kevin. They should post it to bjjbreakdown.com.
0: Oh, of course. Uh, geez, I mean, I would love to see that right there. Uh, oh, yeah, I it's That's good. Oh, yeah. No, that's, that's, oh, gosh, Kevin, you know, I, I, I love that you're, you're in, you're in Kansas. <laughs> that, that's amazing.
1: That's really, it's getting good. That's like, always it's, been good. I don't know what you're talking about. It's getting about. really good. <laughs>
0: out. Uh, but we would definitely want to thank John for stepping in this week uh, to essentially be co host. So that's really, really cool of him. Uh, I guess I want to shout out, uh, Everybody who helped make this one possible. So all of our friends from VMAC, uh, good luck at the tournament, everybody. I've been rolling with you guys. You're all killers, so you're going to be great. Check us out this weekend. We're going to be at uh, a seminar. We're hosting a seminar with our buddy, Travis Conley. That's going to be out in Encino. So you guys definitely want to come check that out. It is Saturday, 1 to 4, $10. Guys, $10 for three hours, 1 to 4 p.m., you are going to want to be there we're going to have more information put up on the verbal tap uh fan page but uh I, I can't tell you how much information you're going to get for those 3 hours from this guy uh then the next day i'm going to be covering the baddest brown and baddest purple which uh travis is competing in and uh 32 other or 31 other brown belt killers in an invitational and there's going to be a purple belt tournament which guess what kev yes Uh, Guess who's competing in that Purple Belt tournament? Who? Only the owner of Dream Jiu-Jitsu, Sean Megami. Sean Megami? No way! So not only is the organizer, uh, Sean, competing in the tournament that he's putting together, but he told them when they were getting the brackets, he's like, honestly, give me the hardest person. Like, just (laughs) don't make it easy on me. He goes, because worst case scenario, I'm out and I'm running the tournament again. So don't worry about me. (laughs) That's awesome. I think that's super commendable, and that's the kind of guy he is. So, uh, guys, it's going to be taking place 8 a.m. over in Santa Fe. Uh, Check out – we'll have more details up on the fan page and on our – verbal tap twitter uh but i hope to see you guys there and there's rumor you'll see me around maybe talking to some people down there too so stay tuned for more information about that and shout out to our good friends to everybody i saw over at worlds uh i know i covered a little bit of that with uh john but uh just our our eternal thanks to everybody for making that such a fun event and uh we were excited to be a part of it and uh, we will definitely be there in full force again next year
1: Raph, you want to hear my world story, my only world story? Go for it. Uh, Today, while my niece and nephew were watching a children's program, I watched about seven matches from the tournament. I will continue to.
0: Wow, what a good babysitter you are.
1: (laughs) I'm fantastic. (laughs) Uh,
0: Well, Kev, you'll have plenty to share because it looks like we'll be getting the band back together again for another installment of Around a Mat, our video series talking about worlds and some other cool BJJ related issues that have been coming up. So look for that coming to a YouTube screen near you very soon
1: around the mat. I love that.
0: Yeah. So anyway, that'll do it for this edition of verbal tap. Uh, I want to thank you guys for listening. I want to thank you guys for, uh, totally, uh, chilling with us, even though we were missing our partner and we will have Kevin back next week, uh, come hell or high water.
1: (laughs) Or if I have to jump on the next tornado, Yep. Right at that direction.
0: <laughs> so, for this... What the hell is that, Kevin?
1: That's a train in the background. My Are family. you fucking like, serious? About um, two miles from a train. <laughs> <laughs> We're
0: literally talking about how you will take any transportation to get there. And there's a fucking train going in the background. Maybe
1: I'll, oh, maybe I'll just do that. Just Good jump tall. on
0: that. Uh, guys, for Verbal Tap, this has been Raph Esparza.
1: Hey, train. Hold on. This is Kevin Phillips. Thanks for listening. Thanks, train. <laughs> the train was really funny.